Mother Teresa was a truly inspirational woman. She left home at just 18 to become a nun in Ireland, never to see her family again. At 19, she arrived in India and was thrown into a world of poverty, misery and death. There was famine and violent uprising going on. But in the face of all that horror, Teresa courageously set about helping the desperate. She became a missionary to the hungry, the homeless, the crippled, the lepers. All those people that were seen as a burden by society and shunned, she loved. Later in her life, age 72, she bravely walked into the violent siege of Beirut and rescued 37 children. For the last 14 years of her life, she continued her mission, despite suffering severe heart problems, pneumonia and malaria. Teresa truly was a remarkable, inspiring, heroic woman, and she did it all for one reason. Towards the end of her life, she said, I'm not a social worker. I don't do it for this reason. I do it for Christ. I do it for the church. Yeah, as I was reading about her, I learned something that really shocked me. For 50 years of her life, this amazing woman of faith said she felt no presence of God whatsoever. For 50 years, her life was consumed by doubts and struggle. In fact, once she wrote in her diary, Where is my faith? Even deep down there is nothing but emptiness and darkness. When I try to raise my thoughts to heaven, there's such convicting emptiness that those thoughts return to me like knives that hurt my very soul. Throughout those 50 years, Teresa's belief that God was working through her remained undiminished, but she yearned for that sense of the closeness of God. So if Teresa felt nothing super spiritual, how did she keep going in the face of such adversity? Where did her courage come from? Well, it came from her life of utterly devoted prayer. John Paul II wrote, Where did Mother Teresa find the strength and perseverance to place herself completely at the service of others? She found it in prayer and in the silent contemplation of Jesus. But what about Teresa herself? What did she think? I came across this incredible quote from that time in her life when she was struggling the most, what many people now refer to as her dark night of the soul. Teresa wrote this to her spiritual confidant. Jesus has a very special love for you, but as for me, the silence and the emptiness is so great that I look and do not see. I listen and I do not hear. I want you to pray for me that I may let God have a free hand. 
even when she was struggling so much that she couldn't find the words to pray for herself, she got others to pray for her. And to pray that despite the trials that she was going through, she would still allow God to use her very real, careworn humanity. In Mother Teresa's dark night of the soul, it was prayer that enabled her to summon up the courage to keep going. Jesus too had a dark night of the soul and it came in the garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane is in many ways the most challenging moment in the gospel. It's here we find the true cost of the cross. For in that garden we see Jesus truly suffer. It's at Gethsemane where the divine mystery of incarnation can be seen at its starkest. The mystery of how one can be fully God and yet fully human. Jesus is God. He knows who he is and clearly he knows exactly what is coming. At the last meal which we talked about last week, he shared with his disciples in such a way he pictured it perfectly in bread and wine. And yet Jesus is also fully human. Human in every way like us. He is afraid. Verse 34 tells us that he was overwhelmed with sorrow. Just as every human being would have been. It's very unlikely that any of us will be perfectly healthy and know for certain that we will die tomorrow. And any human being in that place would instinctively not want to do it. And that is what we find here. The divine Jesus knows he's going to the cross. The very human Jesus doesn't want to do it. And that is a reality that shocks us. And in truth, it's one that we will never fully understand. We are to be humbled as we get this glimpse into the astonishing sacrifice that God made for us. But there is something we can learn here, something important. What was it that enabled this agonizing, sorrowful, tormented Jesus to submit to his father's will and go through with it all? What was it that enabled this very real human being to go through with the horrifying events that he knew were only moments away? Jesus found what he needed through prayer. Without prayer, even Jesus couldn't have done it. This was Jesus' moment. This was the event that his whole life was headed for. But we need to realise that just as Jesus did, that in order for him to go to the cross, he had to go to Gethsemane first. He had to pray this prayer. Prayer in this cliffhanger moment was not an option. It was a necessity. It was prayer that enabled him to keep doing God's will, even when all of his emotions and instinct was against it. 
It was prayer that enabled him to overcome the grief of the people he'd leave behind, his mother, his closest friends. It was prayer that enabled him to shut off the fear of the pain that he would soon be feeling. It was prayer that enabled Jesus to go through with the cross. And this is what we need to pick out for our lives tonight. Maybe we're in a place where God has asked us to do something costly. Maybe step out for him in some way. Maybe speak to someone who we think will mock us for our faith. Maybe volunteer at something, knowing it will take up quite a lot of our time. And maybe as we've sensed God calling us to something new in our life, we're now wrestling as to whether we're going to follow that plan or not. If that is us, prayer is the key. Or maybe we come tonight and we realise actually we're being really tempted by something at the moment. Maybe it's a particular vice or sin that we just wrestle with. Or maybe we're tempted to give up on church. We're done with it. Maybe we're avoiding a difficult conversation with someone who we know we need to talk to. Maybe we need to apologise to them. Whatever it is, if we come to that and we're just aware of a real temptation in our life, again, see this story and see that it is prayer to God and the way that he answers that prayer that will help us fall in step with God's will for our lives. Every single one of us at some point in our lives will have to choose to submit to God, even when it's painful to do so. And prayer in those moments is the key. So let's have a brief look at this most important of prayers. Let's see what we can learn from it. First of all, I'd like us to see the intimacy of this prayer. Jesus has entered the garden with his disciples and on arrival he asks most of them to sit while he goes and prays. He takes just three with him, Peter, James and John, his closest companions. Yet even these three, he does not take all the way. He asks them to stay awake and watch. I find this fascinating. He doesn't ask them to come and pray with him. He asks them to watch. You see, as Jesus undergoes this war within himself, as his divine calling wrestles with his very real human nature, only he can pray the prayer that he needs to. And yet he's in such turmoil, he wants their support. He wants them to watch. He wants to know that they're close by. It's an incredible insight into his humanity. At the time of his greatest need, Jesus needed to pray by himself. But even Jesus wanted the warmth of his friends, wanted his companions to sustain him. It's an incredible moment, an insight into who he was. But then after asking them to watch, Jesus does go by himself to pray. He knows that he needs to plead with his father privately. And he takes a few steps and he falls face to the ground and he prays. This picture of humility, Jesus laying his life before his father. 
Again, it's this astonishing insight into the life of Jesus and the way that he related to his father. He lays before his father for an hour. Now, of course, Mark could not possibly have recorded every word of an hour-long prayer. So he records the main content. Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. As Jesus lays prostrate, he prays, Abba, Father, my Father. Just sense the intimacy of those words. My Father. Here is Jesus facing excruciating temptation to cut his losses and run This is the most severe temptation he has faced in his life to avoid the cross. And in this place of trauma, he turns to his father and he pleads for guidance and help. I don't think we should underestimate this. Jesus needed to pray alone. He needed the intimacy of this moment. He needed to sense his father's presence with him. Jesus needed all the strength he could muster. Tomorrow he would need to be at his greatest, even when he was at his physically weakest. He needed to pray. Yes, he wanted his disciples' support, but this prayer is so intimate, only Jesus could pray it. And he did it alone before his Father. And you know what? We should do the same. If we're wrestling with God's will, if we're aware that we're fighting temptation in our lives, yes, get people to pray for you. But at some point, we need to get on our knees and intimately ask God for help. Jesus himself said that we should go to the quiet, the privacy of our rooms and pray and pray to God. Pray where there's no distraction. Pray with all our hearts. Come with intimacy before our Father in heaven. The second thing I'd like us to notice about this prayer is the honesty of it. Jesus' prayer is extremely honest. Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Now when Jesus talks about the cup here, he's not talking about a literal cup like he's just drunk from at the supper. He's talking about a cup of suffering. In the Old Testament, God's anger, God's wrath, that human sin was depicted as a cup that needed to be drunk down to the dregs. And Jesus knows that he's about to drink that cup so that we don't have to. He's going to take all of that suffering, all of that wrath upon himself so that we don't have to experience it. And he knows it's going to be indescribably bad. As Jesus sits in that garden looking out into the darkness, he can pretty much see evil staring back at him. And just like any human being would, he begs his father not to make him go through with it. He begs him to take away the pain and the mockery and the separation that he knows is only moments away. In fact, he prays almost the same prayer that he taught his disciples to pray. 
Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from evil. This is a very human prayer. This is a very honest prayer. Jesus does not hide how he really feels. Instead, he honestly lays out his emotions before his father. I love you, father, but boy, I don't want to do this. Help me. And again, I think this is a great example for us. When we're wrestling with God and we're wrestling with his will for our lives, when we're struggling with a particular temptation that we keep falling for, sometimes we just need to be honest and admit to God our weaknesses. Admit to God our doubts. Admit to God our struggles. Be honest with him. Don't pray some nice airy-fairy prayer. God knows what you're thinking. Lay it out honestly before him and ask him to help. I really think the Bible shows us that Jesus couldn't have gone through with the cross if he hadn't prayed this prayer first. And I wonder what things we'll be tempted into doing if we just don't make that step of being honest. God, I'm struggling. Help me. The final thing that we need to notice about this prayer, after the intimacy of it and the honesty of it, is the fervency of Jesus as he prays. And when I say fervency, I mean the passion, the way he gives himself wholeheartedly to prayer. After Jesus has prayed for an hour, he goes back to his three companions and he finds them asleep. So he rebukes them and asks them, watch and pray. But he also says something interesting. He says, pray because the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. And sure, I know you want to stay awake and watch, but you're tired and your body's wanting to go to sleep and your body and mind are kind of warring against each other. And it's almost as Jesus says these words that he realised that that's exactly what he's experiencing himself. As God, he wants to go to the cross. He knows he must go to the cross, but his humanity wants to turn away. And Jesus realises that only through prayer can he bring his, his body in line with what his will and God's will is. So as soon as Jesus has said this to his disciples, he goes back. He goes back again and he prays again. He's already prayed for an hour, but he's still struggling. So he carries on and he carries on this wrestling with God, this fighting within himself to do the right thing. He goes back and he prays. I need more help. Matthew in his gospel tells us that this time his prayer changes slightly. In Matthew's gospel, it says the second time Jesus prays, my father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. It's almost as though he's moved a little bit further down the road. He, he recognises that he must drink it, but he continues to pray for help. He's submitting, but he's still asking God to help him follow his will. Again, then, we find Jesus wrestling, striving in prayer. In Hebrews 5.8, it says that Jesus learned obedience from what he suffered. And that's exactly what we see here. 
Jesus is wrestling with God. He's wrestling with his emotions. He's praying with such urgency and fervency that Luke tells us his sweat was like drops of blood dropping from his forehead. At this point, he goes back to the disciples and again, they're asleep. They're losing their battle, but Jesus can't afford to lose his. So he goes back a third time and prays. In the darkness, in the silence, alone. This fight with temptation he knows he cannot afford to lose. The whole destiny of humanity is at stake. Our salvation is at stake in this moment. And so he prays with everything he has. He wrestles, he fights, he asks for help. He implores his father to come through for him. And of course, the gospel shows us that is indeed what happens. His father answers the prayer. In Luke's account, we read of an angel turning up to tend to Jesus. Mark does not mention that. But we see that Jesus gets the strength that he needs. Through prayer, through that sense of his father being with him through thick and thin, he manages to bring his human will in line with the divine calling on his life. Through prayer, he submits. So much so as Judas arrives, he stays put and he accepts the consequences, the kiss and all that was to follow. Jesus prayed with all that he had. He went back again and again. He kept praying until he got what he needed. He prayed with all his heart. And I think sometimes we kid ourselves that when we're struggling in life, we think one short prayer, oh, that's it, I can forget about it now. It doesn't work like that. If we're struggling, we need to pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. Keep going to God and he will come through for us. I hope this sermon has given us a little bit of an insight into this extraordinary prayer. In truth, none of us really understand this moment. It is a holy moment indeed. I think you could argue that this is the most important prayer that has ever been prayed. For without it, there would be no cross. But in this prayer, we do see some things that will help us as we pray today. We need to learn to pray like Jesus. To pray with intimacy Find a place where we won't be distracted. Do business with God. We need to pray with honesty. Don't pretend. Tell God how you really feel. Be honest. And if we're really struggling, keep praying fervently. Go back to God again and again until you get the strength you need. In the tough times, may our prayers echo Jesus. Father, not as I will, but as you will. Amen.